Welcome back to the Refugee Report. This episode's focus is the Uyghur Muslims of China. This unique ethnic group has lived as a minority in China for decades. In recent years, the group has faced oppression in the form of imprisonment, surveillance, sexual assault, and torture. The treatment of Uyghur Muslims in China is an organized form of oppression unseen anywhere else in the world today. Before starting this episode, we would like to warn you that the following audio and descriptions may be disturbing. There are also descriptions of sexual assault that may be triggering. Listener discretion is advised. Uyghurs are a Turkic ethnic group from northwest China. They are a predominantly Sunni Muslim group, and they have a unique language and culture. Uyghur culture is very different from that of the Han Chinese. It shares greater similarities to the cultures of the Asian steppe. About 11 million Uyghurs live in a region that is known in China as Xinjiang. Xinjiang is three times the size of France, and it has natural resources such as oil, gas, and cotton. The region is very mountainous, with large basins and plateaus. It also has an arid climate that gets very cold in the winter. Xinjiang shares borders with numerous countries, including Mongolia, Russia, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, and the disputed territory of Kashmir. It is also directly north of the autonomous region of Tibet. This group of countries and cultures in the region has greatly influenced Uyghur history. Chinese records of Uyghurs date back to the 3rd century. During this time, the Uyghur's belief system was most similar to Buddhism and shamanism. It wasn't until the 10th century that Islam was established in the region. Many do not understand that the Uyghurs have had a prosperous history. In fact, the region was a place of intellectual progress for centuries. There were many Uyghur scholars at the time that are still relevant to this day. Unfortunately, in more modern history, the Uyghurs have faced a lot of hardship. Throughout the early 20th century, there were numerous Uyghur uprisings against the ruling Chinese nationalists. These uprisings only briefly succeeded twice in 1933 and 1944. Despite these efforts, the Uyghurs went under the control of China following the takeover of the Communist Party. The Uyghurs were forced to live in a country that is culturally completely different from theirs. The Chinese government has been repressive toward the Uyghurs for decades. However, it wasn't until the start of the 21st century that human rights abuses on an unprecedented scale began against Uyghur Muslims. The attacks on 9-11 allowed the Chinese government to take advantage of the war on terror by claiming they're fighting extremism in Xinjiang. So, under the guise of counterterrorism, Chinese authorities have targeted and implemented harsh measures towards Uyghur Muslims. During the years following 9-11, the Chinese government has obstructed numerous Islamic religious practices. Examples include banning fasting during Ramadan, preventing the wearing of religious clothing, and prohibiting keeping a beard. In addition, China is accused of encouraging internal migration to Xinjiang to decrease the Uyghur population there. China has claimed that they're justified in these efforts due to some examples of terrorist attacks in the region. In 2014, a group of Uyghur terrorists stabbed around 31 people to death and injured over 100 people in Kunming Railway Station. There's also a terrorist group 
called ETIM that has been known to operate in Xinjiang in the past. These are legitimate instances of terrorism within the region. However, these instances are not nearly as widespread as the Chinese government claims. Also, there is little to no evidence that ETIM has been active in the region in recent years. Despite this, China has continued to escalate its repressive practices against Uyghur Muslims. When the president of China, Xi Jinping, took power, the domestic security budget in Xinjiang tripled. Xi Jinping then appointed the former party secretary of Tibet to rule over Xinjiang. As we explained in the Tibet episode, the Chinese government has also committed a plethora of human rights abuses in this region. If you haven't already, please listen to our episode on Tibet. Technological surveillance is also incredibly prevalent in Xinjiang. Advanced facial recognition cameras are tracking the faces of Uyghurs. Uyghurs are forced to download spy apps on their phone, and they are restricted on who they can communicate with outside of the country. Some households are even paired with a party member to spy on them. This person can enter their house at any time. All of this is part of a massive effort to extinguish Uyghur culture and replace it with Han Chinese practices. Islam in the region has been inundated with Xi Jinping propaganda. Photos of him have been placed in mosques and on prayer rugs throughout Xinjiang. Also, centuries-old mosques have been closed or bulldozed, and the Uyghur language has been banned in schools. Women have even been forcibly sterilized or forced to have abortions. Although these instances are disturbing, the most unsettling development has been the creation of prison camps. Throughout Xi Jinping's rule, China has been forcibly removing Uyghurs from their homes and sending them to prison camps. There are hundreds of camps within Xinjiang that intern Uyghurs from all different professions. All of these people are detained without a warrant, criminal charges, or a trial. The classes that they are forced to take in the camp insist on the full support of the Chinese Communist Party and they betray Islam as not a religion, but an infectious disease. It is believed that there are at least one million Uyghur Muslims in these camps, which would mean around one out of six people in the adult population are in the camps. China admits to putting Uyghurs in camps, but they claim that they're job training centers, and that those within the camp are treated fairly. In reality, the Uyghurs are abused. There have been numerous accusations of torture within the camps. Survivors describe being electrocuted, raped, being deprived of food and sleep, and other physical and mental tortures. Listen to the story of Abdueli, a survivor of the camps. He was sent to the camp because he was a teacher of the Uyghur language. First day is very bad. The first thing they asked me to took off my clothes strip of my clothes and they slap my slap my buttock they abused me more than 20 Chinese guy when you say they abused you how that any man cannot accept that you're saying so, they raped you yeah so I cannot I can't forget that I didn't tell anybody until, until now. I hadn't tell anybody. 
because I'm, I feel shame. Abdueli's story is horrific, but it is not an outlier. There are countless stories of survivors who were sexually abused. Keep in mind that these are only the stories of those who escaped China. It is safe to say that sexual abuse in these camps is much larger than we can confirm. In addition, many of these Uyghurs are being used for slave labor. In 2020, the Australian Strategic Policy Institute discovered that Uyghurs are being forced to work in factories that are supply chains for major corporations. Some of these companies include Apple, BMW, Nike, Samsung, Gap, Sony, Volkswagen, and more. Apple and Nike deny claims that they use forced labor. To cover up all of these allegations, the Chinese government has let some journalists tour the camp. However, these tours are staged and heavily rehearsed. Listen to this BBC reporter explain his experience when touring a camp in Xinjiang. Over the past few years, a vast network of high-security facilities has been built across China's western region of Xinjiang, surrounded by high walls, barbed wire, and watchtowers. But in some of the places we're being taken to, the satellite images show that the internal security fencing and what look like watchtowers were taken down shortly before the tours for journalists began. And empty exercise yards have been transformed into sports facilities. On full display when we visit. But if these are show camps, what might that say about the places we're not given access to? Uyghurs on these tours claim they voluntarily go to these camps, but based on the accounts of survivors, it is clear that they're forced and taken to these camps. This means Uyghur adults must leave their children behind. This has created a massive orphan crisis within Xinjiang. These orphans are being detained in buildings that the government calls kindergartens. These are colorful buildings that are surrounded by barbed wire, cameras, and heavy security. What is especially eerie about these facilities is that we know next to nothing about what happens inside. All that is known is that children are taught about Chinese culture and how to speak Mandarin. This is an effort to make the next generation completely abandon their Uyghur culture. This has left so many Uyghur parents in anguish because they have been completely separated from their children. The Chinese government has spent hundreds of millions of dollars on all of these camps and kindergartens. The reason why this effort has been made in recent years is because of the Belt and Road Initiative. This is a series of infrastructure projects that is connecting China to Europe and Asia. A major part of this project is underway in Xinjiang. Therefore, Xi Jinping wants to exercise complete and total control of the region to ensure the stability of the project. All of these factors have caused many Uyghurs to flee China. Unfortunately, there is not that much data about Uyghur refugees, so we are unable to provide the total number of refugees. However, those who have fled have gone to Turkey, Pakistan, and countries bordering Xinjiang. In Turkey, refugees face new problems. It is difficult for many Uyghurs to get Turkish citizenship. This makes it challenging to buy or rent a house, get a job, a loan, and more. In addition, the country has been increasing trade with China. 
leaving refugees in fear that their asylum could be threatened. For this reason, many are trying to flee to Canada, but without citizenship or valid paperwork, it has been difficult for the Canadian consulate to process these asylum requests. Uyghur refugees have also fled to Pakistan. This has been a problem because Pakistan plays a massive role in the Belt and Road Initiative. There is an ongoing construction project called the Chinese-Pakistan Economic Corridor, which will build more roads throughout Pakistan. To maintain this relationship, China has pressured the Pakistani government to reel in Uyghur Muslims who are speaking out or educating children about Uyghur culture. Some describe being kidnapped, tortured, and beaten by Pakistani authorities. Neighbors have even been bribed in Pakistan to provide information about nearby Uyghurs to local authorities. Whenever the president of Pakistan is questioned about the treatment of Uyghurs, he dodges the question. You're doing business with China. Does that mean you can't criticize them when it comes to what they're doing to the Uyghurs? I, I do not know the exact situation of this. But I can tell you one thing, the Chinese have been a breath of fresh air for us. And I must say, the future, we have these plans of a reviving economy. China is going to play a huge part. Uyghur Muslims who flee to countries in Central Asia encounter their own problems. Countries such as Kazakhstan are becoming destabilized. This means they could become the victims of a new conflict. One reason why these refugees are remaining in these countries is that Western countries, like the United States, have been slow to welcome Uyghur asylum seekers. In the fiscal year of 2020, zero Uyghur refugees were granted asylum in the United States. This is especially confusing because there has been bipartisan criticism of the Chinese government's treatment of the Uyghurs. When taking all of this into account, it is shocking that China has been allowed to continue these practices. One of the reasons why is that there is little the United Nations can do to stop China. Since China is one of the leading members of the Security Council, they have veto power over any condemnation that is put forth. Despite this, the countless atrocities in Xinjiang have caused much of the international community to condemn China. Even Secretary of State Jeremy Blinken has gone as far as calling the events in Xinjiang genocide. If this international pressure continues, then Uyghur Muslims may finally get justice. Before ending this episode of the Refugee Report, we would like to recommend an organization that is helping Uyghur Muslims. This episode, it is Amnesty International. This organization helps provide crucial information about the human rights abuses in Xinjiang province. Their link will be in the description. Although we do recommend this organization, it is important to do your own research before spending your own money. That concludes this episode of The Refugee Report. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and share it with a friend. Follow us on Instagram at WartimeAid to see our informative posts about refugee topics. Tune in next episode to learn about the refugee crisis in Burundi. As always, thank you for listening.